What is up? What is good? How you living? How you feeling? L-E-F-K-O-E, man. And I'm here with Brian Westbrook, number 36, as we always are. That's right, man. Giants listen to us, man. They did. We did a podcast. We put out. I put out a clip mm-hmm. of us being. You were like, "We need to do this." Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. Yeah. A month ago, I said Daniel Jones is going to play during Week Three, and Shermer and Mara said, "All right." They listened to the podcast. They did. They're smart men. They are, and and they also have. Obviously, they have eyes, yeah. and they can see that something you, isn't right. Were you? Sh- it didn't feel shocking to anybody. No. Um, I actually felt dumb because I went. Eli's record is 116 and 116. Of course it's happening now. Yeah. That, that was, a, if, if Eli finished his career 116 and 117, oh, man. It felt <laughs> obvious when I heard that statistic. You could have made the argument that they should have benched Eli two years ago. Matter of fact, oh, they did. I mean, you, you, so last yeah, year, they tried to. I'm watching him and I'm like, eh. Something's wrong with Eli. And, and there's nothing wrong with him. Arms a little bit weaker. Can't move around in the pocket. The other part is the thing that you do with young quarterbacks and aging quarterbacks is surrounded with talent. Yes. They surrounded him with one talented guy. That's it. And they got rid of the other talented guy. So they got rid of uh, Obel, Odell Buckham Jr. Yeah. And they got Saquon. Other than that, there's no talent. No. And that's a concern, especially when you have a one-dimensional quarterback that stays in the pocket and tries his best to throw the ball. I I will still stand by the fact that I think Eli looked better this year than he has the last two years. Like, I thought he came in in the best shape. I thought that he actually made a few good throws on Sunday. Yeah. uh, But all of his wide receivers drop everything. And the only guy he really has is Saquon, but... It's been time to go. This team needed to go in another direction. And I thought your point, you only have one chance to let these two young guys grow together. Yes. And now if I'm a Giants fan and my team is going down to Tampa Bay and I have Daniel Jones maybe doing a little read option with Saquon Barkley Mm -hmm. and I got Evan Ingram at tight end, I'm excited to watch Sunday's game. The Giants, since Eli has been the quarterback there in Tampa, two and one. And the last time they played, they lost was 2017, but it was one of Eli's best games. Two touchdowns, no interceptions, 91 quarterback rating, almost 300 yards in the rain. Giants always play well in Tampa. They in the other two games, they outscored them uh, 56 to 18. Right. So I I look at this team. I think that Todd Bowles is going to be a tough matchup for Daniel Jones. Very good defensive coach. It's a it's a place where. Devin White is out, the mm-hmm. starting middle linebacker for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and they don't have a good pass rusher. Nope. You know who their best pass rusher is? Who's that? JPP. And he's out right now not playing. because of his accident in the offseason. Yeah. Not the fireworks. He actually got into a car a accident. Real accident. So yeah. every offseason, he's got something. But if it was JPP versus Daniel Jones, that headline would be amazing. I think that the Bucks are a good defense. But Saquon and Daniel Jones can get something done. Well, this is what I think about the Bucs, and I, I do think that they're a good defense. However, this is a good thing for Daniel Jones. Yes. We know that Jameis Winston will throw the ball to the other Absolutely. team. So it's going to keep you in the game longer. So instead of saying, hey, I need Daniel Jones to throw the ball 50 times a game just so we can score points, right. you can say, okay, we can live with more run plays. And I, I just wrote it down, which is kind of crazy to me. Saquon Barkley, first two weeks, 36 touches. 29 runs, seven passes that he's caught. To me, he should be between that every week. <laughs> yeah, he should be between for this team, yeah. 23 and 28 touches per week, which is kind of crazy. But this is the only weapon that you have, especially now yes. that you're bringing this rookie quarterback. And it quarterback doesn't have in. to be between the tackles' touches. No. 
If if Saquon isn't getting seven, eight targets in the passing game, yes. screens, well, little shovel passes. When you bring in Daniel Jones, he should get yeah. he should be catching the ball four to seven times per game. I Every firmly game. subscribe to the fact that Pat Shermer has been running an offense for Daniel Jones the entire, entire preseason time. and the first two weeks so that it's an easier adjustment because their skill sets are wildly different. And I believe that Shermer was asking Eli to do things that are more easy for Daniel Jones than him. We're going to get into a lot. We're going to do more of this. Where does Eli go historically? Hall of Fame. Uh, Is this the beginning of the era of the black quarterback in the NFL? Ah. Interesting conversation we're going to get to. We also want to talk about the three big games of the week this week, but definitely Chiefs-Ravens, two 2-0 teams, one team with definite Super Bowl aspirations, and the Chiefs. So I think those two together (laughs) would be great. As you can tell, I already kind of know what that all about. Uh, I'm just That's kind of a cheap shot a little bit, a little, no. a little behind the back cheap Patrick shot. Patrick Mahomes and is, the Chiefs is my football little brother. Okay, I love him. Yeah, the Ravens. I am. I believe that they're a fan base that has no national voice championing them. Yeah, it's, because even Ray Lewis is going to come on there and be like, "Now when we played, we went harder <laughs> than they go right now. We have momentum." That's the Ray Lewis voice. That's what he sounds yeah, like. So I'll get better. The preacher voice. Yeah, yeah. He, he does have that. But there's no one nationally that's standing for the Ravens. Well, because I feel an obligation to stand for the Ravens. Well, there are some questions behind it, Ray. Well, they don't. They, they haven't. They haven't proven over time. That they can do it. That's the big I mean, question. They only won six. They only went six and one down the stretch last year. Went to the playoffs. Absolutely. And like well, went into Kansas they, City last well, year and almost it, beat them. They did it differently last year. They did it with the running quarterback, and they can't maintain that. And so now you have Lamar Jackson coming in, yeah. throwing the football. The right. question is, can so he maintain? As that? you can see, it'll be a little bit feisty. Yeah. First thing I want to do though is we didn't get it last week. I want to make sure we do it this week. The LFGL, the Lefko Football Gridiron League, the Let's Fucking Go Fantasy. Mm-hmm. League mm-hmm. where we got around like 1,200 people playing. Okay. Our commissioner, William Ezell, Saints kid. Here he is. Young kid, too. He put together the whole thing. He's helping organize all of it, and I made him a deal. You do that. You get about 45 seconds a week to give me an update on the Fantasy League. So let's check in really quick with my man, WGE2, William Ezell, and see what's going on in the Let's Fucking Go League. Week two has just concluded, and the injury excuses have already begun. We have Cam Newton out, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Quincy Nunwa, Sam Darnold, Tevin Coleman, Hunter Henry, Michael Gallup, Darius Geist, A.J. Green, Joe Mixon, Tyreek Hill, and Nick Foles. And that's just the start of the list. But that's not even the craziest thing that happened this week in fantasy. We had not one. But two games decided by one passing yard. That's 0.04 points. The smallest increment possible. <clears throat> I mean, that, that's that got to be incredibly tough to lose by that margin. And what it's shaping up to be, it's going to be a close one this year, just like those games. And I wish the best of luck to everyone, except for those teams that are undefeated. You know who you are. And I believe that's a shot at me, Brian Westbrook. That is a shot at Cause you. Because I'm too undefeated? Hell yeah. That's impressive. My wide receivers are stacked. Well, uh, I will. And I'm making mad trades. And I think people just want to trade with me. Yes. So they're making trades. Uh-huh. Like I shipped Jamison Crowder, Devontae Freeman, and um, Godwin. And I got Juju and Vance McDonald. And then Ben got knocked out. Yeah. But, I, but I, the guy was like, I just want to trade. And right. Like, yes. I just want to make a trade. Okay. Hey, I just want to remember. I just want to remind you. 
Two games doesn't make a season. Baltimore Ravens. Adam Lefko. Two games doesn't We're make a season. Very similar. On the Lamar Jackson. Two games doesn't make a season. There's two of 16. So you used to do fantasy every Sunday. Every Sunday. Do you do any more fantasy at all professionally? Yeah, a little bit. What do you here do? And there. No, I don't mean not you playing. Like, are you on camera anywhere doing? Oh fantasy? yeah, no, no, no. I and I, and I what love was that fantasy like for you. I, you know what? And don't give me like give me the real. I'll tell I you this. So going into it, I didn't love it because you got to keep up with a lot of different crap. Not only that, just to, I've always thought that professional football players, most of them go fantasy. I don't want to deal with this shit. Well, not not only that. Sometimes it goes against your natural instinct to say, "Hey, this team is better, so they're going to just do this." And what you see with your eyes as a player doesn't always translate in the, the fantasy world. Yeah. And so now you're like, okay, my eyes are telling me that they're going to go into this game and they're going to run it down their throat. But the fantasy people say, well, they have this guy out and they have that guy out and there's no way they're going to run the ball, they're going to throw it. I'm like, BS, this is what they're going to do. And lo and behold, they're throwing the damn ball 35 times. And so was that weird to you to be in a room with people that have never played the game and they're going, they're talking about target share yes. and like reception regressions yes. and they're talking about passing funnels. But this is what they're doing. They're looking at their paper. They don't, they haven't watched, they haven't watched the game, any of the games but they're at going, all. But they're going, but the amount of targets that Jamison Crowder right. is getting. That's so right. when you were having those conversations, it's analytics, that's what it is. Did it frustrate you in the beginning? It, it frustrated me, but it, it also gave me a different way to view the game. And so the more and more I talked to them, I'm like, okay, if if they have the ability to see what I see, plus add in the analytics yes. side, really, that's what every front office in the league is trying to do. Mm. They want the scouts to be able to say, okay, this player is good because he can run, he can jump, he can laterally move from left to right. But the numbers say that he's better because of this. That's what every front office is trying to do, combine the two yes. to figure out what's the best move as a player. And as an analyst, you're like, well, hold on. I don't want to go away from what my eyes are telling me because it took me 25, 30 years to develop this. Yes. But the numbers, they speak for themselves. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a, it's it a has weird to combination. Be a mix. I've just always wondered to be someone that truly can watch a game and see things that other people can't. Right. And then to be in a room with people that are deemed experts, mm -hmm. that has to be jarring to the system. It is jarring. I think the worst part about being a fantasy analyst is that every question you get is wholly personal to only the person asking it. That's it. If you go online and someone says, should I play Debo Samuel mm -hmm. or, Delvin, or uh, Devin Smith? Yep. No one else gives a fuck about that except for that person. Nope. But if somebody hits you up and goes, Browns minus two and a half? If you right give an there. answer, anyone that had a question, you've helped them. That's right. Also, football is a weird game. And you're going to be wrong about predictions that seem obvious all the time. Mm -hmm. Week three last year, the Buffalo Bills were 17-point underdogs to the Minnesota Vikings, and they won. Yep. And I said there's no chance in hell they were going to lose. Yep. And people called me an idiot for weeks. And really, none of them would have taken it. And there's this, something about fantasy where you get things wrong and people t get football is awful to predict. Football is terrible because you never know what happens. You don't know what goes on in the locker room. You don't know if I'll give you a perfect example. This past weekend, we, we talk about the Eagles, but who the heck would have guessed that Dallas Goddard gets hurt in, in pregame? And Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson and, and Alshon. And, and, and what? All these guys get hurt in the same game? And they're asking about the turf. They're saying it's the growing, it's the ankle, it's the calf, it's the rib, all these different things. And then if you went on your show and said, I like the Eagles to win. Doggone right. I would And they're going to go, but you said the Eagles were going to win. Uh -huh. I and, didn't know and, that. And your judgment's no good anymore. We're yeah. like, well, I can't predict the How future. How about this? How about this? I told everybody on Monday to load up on Njoku prop bets. Well. 
Yeah. Mosley's out at middle linebacker. Yeah. We got we got Njoku. They're going to work the middle of the field. Uh-huh. Gets a concussion on the second drive. He has four catches on a year. Someone, four. Yeah, but he got a concussion like the second drive. He's yeah, played two games. Yeah, but know. somebody looked at me right after he got hurt and was like, what the fuck, Lefko? Uh-huh. And I go, are you blaming me for him getting a concussion? Yes. You sick fuck. Yes, yes. But that's how people are. And they want you. It's weird because when, you, <laughs> when you're on these shows, they are counting. Okay, he's right. Yep. He's right. He's right. That one time out of 10 that you're wrong, oh, you're the worst analyst ever. I can't believe you couldn't see that. Nobody else saw it, but you missed it too. You know how on like NBC or ESPN, they do or like Fox and CBS, they do the pick shows and they show the records. <laughs> I think it'd be really funny if every year whoever got the worst relegate, whoever got the worst record was kicked off the show. Can't even be there. Terry Bradshaw. Out of there. I'm sorry. You went 26 and 38. Yeah. We're removing you, and we're bringing in Brian Westbrook. That's right, because he knows how to pick games, and obviously you don't. But, and and but here's the other thing: if let's say you can never pick games, but you analyze it perfectly, people want to know like, well, why? If you can analyze, you can break it down so well. Why can't you pick the game? Why can't you pick a winner? I get DMs all the time from people that say. I love the way that you break down a game. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I also know when you make mistakes and you go too much with your heart. And that's when I bet against you. Yes. People will DM me and go, I make so much money off of you because you'll go on a whole rant and go, but I got a feeling. Yes. And then I bet against you. And I'm like, can you tell me so I can bet against myself too? I go, I go. My one friend Webster right now, anytime he has a real big gut feeling, he bets the opposite way and he's yep. six for six this year. I always. My initial feeling is I go with I go with my gut, and that's oftentimes wrong. Always, because I think you know what they have to be better than Minnesota has to be better than that. Yeah. They they can't. I mean, they have two good receivers. They have a decent quarterback and and a very good running. But they have to be better than that. Yep. And it's always wrong, because my mind is like, there's no way, there's no way they'll lose three in a row. It's it's a matchup game. Where every week the Minnesota Vikings might maybe the Packers are an awful matchup for the Vikings, but the Vikings go and play the Lions. It might be a perfect perfect matchup, matchup. and they look like a completely different team. Yep. Also, it's a sport that because it's such small amount of possessions, turnovers are such a big impact. Huge. Change the game, and it could be a tip ball. Well, that's be- what happened to to the Falcons. Yeah. in the first game against the Vikings, punt. Punt block interception. It changed the, the the whole course of the game. Yeah, and now they look terrible. They look like a terrible football team. They didn't look much better last week against the Eagles, but they look absolutely terrible. Twenty eight to twelve in the first game against the Vikings. The Vikings last week get beat up on. So I mean, it's weird game, man. Weird uh, game. So it was a weird game. It's been a long game for Eli, as I said, in the two hundred and thirty two games he's played. Perfectly one hundred and sixteen, one hundred and sixteen. The timing of the benching, it may. Okay to you or no? I mean, the real answer is they should have cut him before the season yes. and not spent $24 million on his contract. And maybe because you knew you were going to build around Daniel Jones anyway, use that money on other positions that could have helped. I think traditional thought, especially around first-round talent, just quarterbacks, young quarterbacks anyway, is let them sit for a little bit, try to be like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and things like that. Let them sit. To me... You can do that if you're Aaron Rodgers. You had Brett Favre in front of you. Pat, Patrick Mahomes had uh, Alex, Alex Smith, Smith in front of you. He played well that year. That probably was Alex Smith's best year almost in the NFL, I'm sure. I've always said it's because he was afraid of Patrick Mahomes. He, he had some, but in this case, 
why would you sit Daniel Jones based on what you've seen of Eli these last couple years? To me, I wasn't impressed with Eli last year. I, he had probably his best year in a long time, 4,200 yards, but it was some throws he just missed. I mean, he could have had 5,000 yards if he hits half of those throws. We have one of the best receivers in the game in, in Odell Beckham Jr. They didn't quite see eye to eye. To me, you give him 14, 15 targets a game, and you have to connect on more than half. It's because Eli couldn't reach him. He couldn't get it there. So my, my question is. He didn't is, have a strong enough arm. The big question around Eli is, is he a Hall of Famer? Two Super Bowl wins, two throws that will be remembered for the history of time. Mm-hmm. Overall, 500 quarterback. Yep. Not great playoff success. Nope. Other than those two runs. Two MVPs. He was two, two times a Super Bowl MVP. And I would argue that Justin Tuck should have been the Super Bowl MVP in one of those with three sacks. Fair argument. Um, my my question for you is: You faced him twice a year. Mm-hmm. You were in the locker room with a defense that had a lot of success against Eli yeah. over the years. What was the prevailing conversations about when it was Eli Week? Well, when you guys were playing Eli, what was the defense like that week compared to other weeks? I think. The thought, and I'm gonna give you a comparison, and, and this is hard because this is an extreme, right? At this point, if you had Eli versus Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, he, you know that he can go win a game for you. You know that you give him the football, you're scared. Drew Brees, the better quarterbacks, yeah. you're scared of those guys. When you talk about a two-time Super Bowl MVP, has obviously two Super Bowl trophies on his mantle, you're thinking he can go win a game for you at any time. He's dangerous. But you never really got that feel from Eli. It was always like, oh, this is Eli. The question I was asking was, if they're going to play a Breeze, I could see a Jeremiah Trotter and a Dawkins and everybody going, we need to be on our P's. That's right. Yeah. And when they were playing Eli, I'm wondering if it was the same preparation. Well, that's what I'm saying. You always felt like, oh, it's just Eli. You obviously, you always prepare for every quarterback. Of course. But, But I think that you're much more apt to work a little bit harder, give a little bit more if it's Drew Brees, because you know that if he gets going, it's it's going to have some trouble. So it was looser, a little bit looser. I don't. I wouldn't even want to say the word looser. It was just a different mindset. You you go into the game thinking, you know what? If we can just contain everybody else, we're not worried as much about Eli. And and listen to me, he he burnt the Eagles a bunch of times. Sure, but at the same time, when you just think about him, probably when he had Sean Payton. This is this is actually why the question is. Is he a Hall of Famer? Because when you think about it, your, your first reaction is no. But then you start looking at the numbers and you say, oh, he played 16 years. He has two MVP, obviously two Super Bowls. You're saying, well, maybe. Because in my mind, when you talk about Hall of Famers, your first reaction should be, yep, that's him. Randy Moss, Hall of Famer. Terrell Owens, Hall of Famer. Eli, I don't know. Let me look at the numbers. Big Ben, Hall of Famer, obvious. Breeze, Manning, uh, uh, Farb, all these guys, obvious Hall of Famers. Eli, similar numbers, probably better in some cases. And I have them all here for you. And you're saying, "Uh, I don't know. There's always a question mark around Eli. I do not believe that in any year of his career, when factoring in yards, quarterback rating, and touchdowns, he was once a top five quarterback. I can believe that. Now, if you look at his numbers, this is where it's interesting. Ingber helped put them all together. I'm very appreciative. It's a lot of statistics. I wanted to compare Manning against his era of quarterbacks. Okay, let's do that. Drew Brees, Big Ben, Phillip Rivers. Mm-hmm. Rivers and and uh, Roethlisberger were in his draft class. Brees was uh, two or three years earlier. Oh, yeah. He was the same draft class as Mike Vick. But I feel like those four, I'm not including Brady. Okay. 
he's an outlier. Fair. Yeah, he's an outlier. Right. Brady is the best. Yeah. He's better than all of them. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I, I can agree with he's that. He's not the best quarterback of all time. Greatest. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's a winner. In terms of yards, Eli Manning is third. Mm-hmm. He's about wow. Eight yards behind Ben Roethlisberger okay. for seventh all time. Rivers is eighth all time. He's about a thousand behind that, and Breeze is about twenty thousand ahead of all of them. Okay, he's on a different level. So that that's yeah, I'm, I'm there. That's for me. It's playing in a dome, yeah. playing with Sean Payton, uh-huh. and then also I believe that of those four, Breeze is the most cerebral of all those quarterbacks. Probably the best at picking apart a defense. Tell me if you agree with this, by the way. Of these four, Breeze is the best leader slash player of the position. Ben Roethlisberger is the most physically gifted of all of them. Biggest and Rivers, I feel like has the most, um, is the most gamer of all of them. Like he's never going to take a playoff. Mm -hmm. And Eli Manning, I don't know. Well, that's, and that. But but do you agree with that? No, but yeah, I absolutely agree. But that's the reason why everyone's, hey, is he a Hall of Famer really? But when I think about, obviously when I think about Breeze, I agree with you. Cerebral. He's a thinker. He knows where the ball goes before he, he even hikes he's it. Also, he was also a better physical specimen than Eli. He was. Absolutely. But smaller guy, but gets very accurate. Not a huge arm, but gets it downfield. Obviously, Big Ben, physical specimen, just a big man. Yeah. Physical, strong arm, rocket for, you know, I, I, I agree with all those things. the clutch multiple times. The biggest thing. And this is why you wonder. This is why you have the conversation about Eli is because when you look at the numbers, you're, they're just okay. They're just okay. They're not terrible. They're just okay. You throw those two Super Bowls in there, it's a different story. To me, if if, if it's a no-brainer, if he doesn't have those two Super Bowls, let's just say he makes it to the NFC Championship game both of those years, he's not a Hall of Famer. No doubt in my mind. So let me add some more context. Touchdowns, Breeze destroys all of them. Rivers, Roethlisberger, Manning, 6th, 7th, 8th all time. But these are accumulated stats. Yes. Because Eli's been playing for 15 fucking years. But when you start looking at win-loss, which we never want to give to quarterbacks, is whatever, Roethlisberger, 10th most all-time wins Mm -hmm. with with, uh, winning percentage. uh, Right around two out of three games, Ben's winning, 667. Breeze is second, 156 to 109. Rivers is third, 119 to 91. Manning, 500, 116 and 116. Touchdown to interception ratio. Breeze is seventh all time. Yeah. With 2.22. Rivers, 13th all time, 2.09. Ben Roethlisberger, a touchdown to interception ratio of 1.9. And Eli Manning, a touchdown to interception ratio of 1.5. So a three to two. Yeah. So when you talk about thought process going into a game, the thought process playing Eli was always, if we get a little pressure on him, he'll give us a chance. He'll, he'll chuck That's and duck That's not it. a Hall of Famer. He'll give us a chance. He'll give it. Well, well, I'll tell you this. When we used to play against Favre, we knew that his arm could hurt us, but he'll give us a chance. Okay. There, it's a different feeling. It's a different feeling going into the game. But the, Risk the truth, takers for sure. But what I'm saying, though, is well, you also Favre was Favre. a risk taker. Eli's not a risk taker in that same way. No. He just makes some terrible decisions. Different types of mistakes. Yes. Favre is going, I think I can fit this ball in between That's the corner right. of the safety right. and the linebacker. Yeah. And with Eli, you're going, we might get a duck in the third quarter that no one can explain. Eli, if, if we're going to pressure him. We're going to pressure him with this edge rusher or this corner, cornerback blitz. And he's going to see it, and he's just going to he's going to get rid of it because he doesn't want to get hit. That's still always the knock on Eli. He doesn't want to get hit. That's how you play for 16 seasons without missing a dog on game because you don't get hit. Smarter quarterback and blah, blah, blah. 
So you don't think he has a Hall of Famer? I do think he's a Hall of Famer. I say all that to say I do think he's a Hall of Famer. You win two Super Bowls, and you're the MVP of those Super Bowls, whether you believe those Super Bowls were won by their defense or not. Do you believe Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer? No. no. Julian Edelman's going to have the same argument that Eli has. He I, just won a Super Bowl MVP. Well, but the, He's got this, three this Super is Bowls. this is what you look at for me for Julian Edelman. Enormous in the Seahawks. You play Super with Bowl. you play with the best quarterback ever. You play in the best system ever put on a field with 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 fifty three guys on both sides of the ball. That that's just the way it is. And you play in that system, and you've been you've eaten in that system. And really, it didn't matter if it was Edelman, whether it was Troy Brown, whether it was Wes Welker. It's the same guy doing the same things, putting up big-time numbers. He just happened to be there the longest, and he's actually been very successful there, and they paid him that way, and he's done a great job. And I would say that Eli Manning played with, at one time, the greatest pass-rushing defensive lineman well, up there that's ever played, with Michael Strahan in his prime, and mm-hmm. Osu Minura in his prime, yeah. and Justin Tuck, yep. and Steve Spagnuolo, JPP was for there. the first Absolutely. time, throwing using pass rushers as defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. Now, Bill Belichick lost in the Super Bowl to Justin Tuck in three sacks and then said, I'm going to steal Michael Bennett and do the same fucking thing. That's right. That's right. And so for me, um, like I... Do you believe that Eli's a Hall of Famer? I do not. I believe, I have always said that the people that go in the Hall of Fame... It, it should be impossible to tell the story of the NFL without them. And by that measure, Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. But in terms of on, on that random week five Sunday yeah. at one o'clock yeah. and they're doing the pregame show mm-hmm. and they show the quarterback throwing the ball. I've never seen Eli and been like, that's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Well, uh, ever. Here's another I've question. Seen, I, I'm still shocked Kurt Warner got in right away. Yeah. Yeah. Do you agree with me well, on he's that? On, he's on TV. And, I believe and that Kurt outside Warner forces. Has, is going, like, the next, in about five years, 2024, these Hall of Fame discussions mm-hmm. are going to be fucking miserable. That's right. Because we're going to be in an era of inflated statistics, yep. and we're going to be comparing an Eli Manning to, like, a Ken Stabler. You can't. And it's like, they're not even the same fucking no. level. You can't. But the numbers right now are so out of whack that we're never going to be able to use numbers anymore. Well, here's another question for you. Is it, to me, this would be my argument. He won two Super Bowls. In their Bowls. peak, better quarterback, Cam Newton or Eli Manning. Cam. Yeah. And his peak. Yeah. That, that, I think Cam that's has a no-brainer. No chance of yeah. he'll, he'll never make but here's the thing about Eli. He could. Does who he won those Super Bowls against yes. play a factor? Absolutely. When you be the best quarterback ever, best coach, best legacy when team. When you stop the 18 and 0 Patriots. It's a, it's the best, it's the best team right. of the best quarterback and the best coach. Yeah, yeah. Of all the Patriots teams, there was no team that inflicted fear more mm-hmm. than that 18-0, 18-1 Patriots team. That's right. And you're the guy that beats them. And really, what was the score of the game? 17-14? It wasn't a high score Did game. Eli really beat them? Or did that offensive system all of a sudden get shut down? He was a Hey, he was the MVP. I, that's all you can. When you go back and you look at these things, the kid's going to look at the numbers. Was he I MVP? I hate the fact that the MVP goes down in history, and it's like, uh, was who won the MVP last year? Julian Edelman? Yeah. It's like, I don't, you could have given the punter the MVP in that fucking You can game. give it to a lot of different people, but hey, that's the way it goes. The MVP in last year's Super Bowl should have been Stephon Gilmore for what Great he did place. to the Rams. Slowed him down. But, Stopped him, But really. we go... 
Edelman got the MVP. And it's now I think Edelman deserves it by the numbers, but like that's the same way I feel about fucking Eli. In well, the, a defensive player, first of all, has to go over and above to be even considered MVP. Yes. Three sacks in the Super Bowl, that that's MVP worthy. That that's Michael the MVP. Bennett, yeah. That changes the course of the yeah. game. So you you're putting him in. There's so many more people that are going to be up that are like going to be so much more deserving. Well, listen, the era of quarterbacks, Eli, Phillip Rivers, Big Ben, Drew Brees, all four of them are going to be a Hall of Famers. All of them. And you add, yes. you add, you add uh, Tom Brady in there. I mean, in, in this era of Rivers time, is going to be interesting. I, because I, I, Rivers I, I, does not have the Super Bowls, and Rivers does not have all that to lean on. But I would say that in that Marty Schottenheimer run, mm-hmm. Phillip Rivers, when they were going like 14 and two every year, that was some dynamic. But then you also, the argument against him is he's played with LT. Yes. One of the greatest running backs of yes. all time, time Hall of Famer. That's right. Look at all the weapons he's had these last few years. These last couple of years. I, he had a reason last year that based on talent, he should have been in the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be based really on talent. Rivers to get in. I, 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 that's a question. Here's another question. I'd rather you. have Rivers than Eli. And this goes back to our hometown team because I, I think it's going to be a big time push for number five this year. To get into the, the the Hall of Fame. Which Hall of Fame? The team's Hall of Fame? <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. There's going to be a push these next couple of years for Don to get into the Hall of Fame. There will be. Do you believe Don is a Hall of Famer? I think you're more of a Hall of Famer than I'm so than I'm is. so biased. I'm, I'm just because I, I – Let me say that again. I'm I so biased. you're more of a Hall of Famer Well, I appreciate that. I, I think Donovan – Numbers. Are we are we going to hang out with Donovan ever? Because I'll shut the fuck up if this. Don, be- he would love to come on. He's in New York every now and then. He'll come on. Absolutely. So you, then you can't say whatever. Then that's no, not no, answer no, that no, question. No, 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 no. Because here's the truth. Because if he starts coming on, and I start kind of becoming friends with Donovan McNabb, like I'm gonna have to bring the same energy. But it's out of respect. Because yes. I still appreciate what he did. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he is. I think that in his. Time period, and you have to, and listen, you also have to factor in the running numbers, which he tried to stop later on in his career, yes. which I think was a huge mistake. But you have to factor in what was going on at the time period, what Andy asked him to do, and because I'm super biased, and the wide receivers I'm the, early I'm, in I'm his just, career, I'm terrible to ask the question. And the to. fact that he's been to four straight NFC Championship games, he took a team that was three and thirteen into a five perennial and 11, playoff 11 game, eleven and five perennial yeah. playoff team. I'm 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 biased. Eagle, I'm, Eagles, I'm the wrong one. Eagles I'm the wrong were one to ask. Eagles were uh, a laughing stock of the league, and they were the Super Bowl pick for Sports Illustrated almost damn every year. every year yeah. in the 2000s. And it was Don, and then a bunch of guys oh, on the offense. When you saw Nelson Aguilar short arm, did you have Todd Pinkston flashbacks? And I love Pinkston. You know, no, I heard Nelson said Nelson said that he lost it in the lights. Somebody kind of prompted him with that, though. Someone said, did that's, you lose that's the ball? That's frustrating. That's Someone frustrating. Someone said, I wanted to defend Nelson Aguilar. Apparently, a reporter said, did you lose the ball in the lights? And he said, yes, and then paused and said, but that's not an excuse. I should have caught the ball. Well, no, that's not being prompted. That's like, I already have an excuse in my head, and that's probably going to work. You dropped the dog on ball. The ball's in your sight. You have a chance to win the game. Now, and listen, I think Nelson is talented. I think up to this point in his career, he hasn't even touched the surface of his talent. So you think... You believe that Donovan McNabb is a better quarterback than Eli Manning, and that if you had to put but one in the Hall of Fame, you would pick Donovan. I just want to get that on the record. Oh, man, this is such You've a- already said that you believe that Eli I Manning think, is a I Hall think, of Fame I quarterback. I think Eli is a Hall of Fame. I, and but I what also, I'm saying is— I would is, make the argument that Donovan is a Hall of Famer, too. And I know a lot of people— But you can only put in one. Who would you put in? You got to go Eli. 
He has he two Super Bowls. I mean, I think Super Bowls matter. He's the MVP of the Super Bowl twice. And you know we, what we need to do? You know who else should go in next year? Trent Dilfer. Let's put him in. That's not the he's same. Got a Super Bowl thing. ring, man. He's, he wasn't the MVP. That defense was the MVP. Mm. He, Trent wasn't the MVP. Is Nick Foles going to be a Hall of Famer? No, he's not. No. Super Bowl MVP. Nope. One of the greatest statistical seasons of all time. So, Twenty-seven. No, you touchdowns, just can't have a Super Bowl MVP. You just can't win a Super Bowl. You have to have the numbers. It's a combination of different things: the numbers, the longevity. Eli obviously has it doesn't hurt that he's a manning that doesn't hurt so would you rather have and and this is it playing to you because you're a running back too would you rather have a terrell davis career where you play for six years but you're a ball of fire yeah and like four of your years are like 1500 yards or more yeah or would you rather have an Eli career where for 15 years, and I'm not including money, I'm just okay. talking about like the respect that you have for your own career, right. or an Eli career where it's 15 years of B-level football with occasional moments of solid? I, I want— Because they I, both have two Super Bowls, right? Yeah. I, I want to have—if I could have a prime of, let's say, five years where I was the best in the game— I'll take that. And that was what Terrell Davis was. That's exactly what it was. And opposed to uh, maybe three or four, but opposed to 16 years of me being average, 15, 16 years of me being average, I'll take the, the five years of me being the best in the game. Because when you think about it, when people come up to you, when kids recognize the, your peers, they're saying, I, I remember I remember my first Pro Bowl. And I was pretty doggone good my first year I went to the Pro Bowl, right? 2005? 2000, must have been 2005. I caught a lot of balls. Uh, you know, ran, we, you know, we were winning all the other yeah. things. I'm at the bar and Ladanian comes over. <gasps> and, 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 and to this point, like for me, I went to a small school, so I didn't, I didn't play against any of these guys. I didn't know any of these guys. You're a very similar style to Ladanian, similar and, and size. Was, he went to TCU. It was amazing. I'm sitting there and I'm looking, I'm like, man, I want to go over there. And I'm not, I just wasn't at the time. I just wasn't, I'm like, uh, if he wants to talk to me, I'll let him talk to me. He walks over <gasps> and I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, what's up, man? He was like, man, I respect your game so much. I watch all of your tape. And I, obviously, I watch all of his tapes because he was the best back in the league yeah. at the time. I watch what you do. I love the way they're using it on these routes. And to me, it was touching. Like, the best in the game respected. has respected what I've done. To me, that, that was awesome. To me, when you are the best in the game, that says something. When you're just average, and, P, and you do be average for a long time, people like that. But when you're the best at something, people respect you on a different level. To me, being the best for five, six years is way better than having a 16-year career. If we're taking away Please tell money. me that that Ladanian conversation turned into you guys are in Hawaii at some beach bar, and you get around to Don Julio, yeah. and then you and Ladanian Tomlinson have a night nah, to remember. No, nah, I didn't, no. But it was a lot of drinking going on at, at, at the Pro I Bowl. Hear it gets, it, I hear it used to go down at the Pro All the way go down, yes, yes. I mean, you're talking about 14, 15 years ago. It went down, and it was, and, it was the now, point everyone knows you like, don't give your room number out, all that other stuff, why? because you'll have a – well, what happens, you give your room number out, you're sitting at the bar, and it was only the players, players in the family. You give, If I give my room number to you – So they're like, hey, what room number? And you're like, 1209. That's right. And then the next um, – uh, all the rounds all week long for the young kids, the, the first-time guys, are on you. And you don't have any idea. No, you had, that happened to you? until it didn't because I didn't stay at the bar very long. I someone schooled me to it. They were like, "If you yeah, stay at the bar, who told you? Who told you? One of these, probably one of the older guys, probably B. Mitch, one of the older Hugh guys, Dorsey Levin, probably all of the older guys I was great friends with. So they told me, if you stay at the bar, just be prepared to use your little your little uh, Pro Bowl money on paying a bar tab. Do you know anyone that that actually happened to? Not that I can remember, but I, I I've heard a bunch of crazy <laughs> stories from a bunch of different guys. Like, yo. 
I use all my little $30,000 on a bar tab for Damn. all the pro bowlers. Yeah. So back then, it was probably exciting to get invited to the pro bowl. Exciting, Absolutely. I mean, that's the pinnacle of your career, of your, and now, of your season. And a few years ago, Trevor Simeon turned down a Pro Bowl invite. Trevor, he's made a huge mistake because Trevor he'll Simeon. never, he'll never, he'll never get back to that level, ever again. And we, and we, that's we, where we the are. Pro Bowl's gone. That like, well, it's also it's it's was it in Orlando now? Yeah. No, the, the Pro Bowl. First of all, it was big time. You go to Hawaii, which was an attractive type. Hawaii of place. is amazing. I've never been. You go to Hawaii, which is attractive. You're hanging out with the best players in the world. Yeah. And really, you go to practice. My year, I'm sorry, I think Seattle was a coach. And one year, the Falcons was a coach, right? And uh, Jim Mora. Yeah. And he was just like, listen, we're going to practice about 45 minutes. <laughs> and so it was probably just as long to get to the practice field as it was. Wait, the I bet practice. you Andy was the Pro Bowl coach for four years in a row because he kept losing in the championship. Yes. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Yeah. He so, was. I bet you after a while, you guys were like, yo, man, I'm fucking tired of Hawaii. Well, I think Andy was. I mean, of course, you want to make it to is the dog. Is that why he's obsessed game. with Hawaiian shirts? Because he practically he lived there for half right. of a decade? I think that I think in his mind, those shirts make him look smaller. But he always has those Pattern Tommy, is really Tommy Bahama shirts on all the time. I'm worried about his ankle circulation. He he he. Uh, he was always he always wears shorts when it's like eight degrees. That's his thing. That's his thing. He said your legs don't get cold. He will always tell me that your legs don't get cold. We could practice outside. But just put a hoodie on. We, your legs won't get cold. I'm like, coach, you no, no, coach, your legs, yeah, you your legs don't get cold. Ankles, <laughs> right, bro. The rest <laughs> of us are getting. Andy cold. always had these socks on, and then every he'll wear these socks all day long, and then in the the, the meetings at the at nighttime during training camp, he'll have flip flops on, and you always would see the imprint of, of the socks because he would probably wearing compression socks. Yeah, I don't know what they were, but they were they were big. I, I love Andy Reid. Love, love. How can you not? I used to watch. I, I, me and Reno Mahe, we used to study Reno Andy Reid. Yes, we BYU. used to study Andy Reid, and and, and I mean, he's such a good dude. So, uh, great coach. I don't even want to. No, go but, no, fucking say it. But no, he's amazing. No, he's amazing. No, but you would study to, Andy Reid. I, I would so study him, but, but he would do all. He'd do his funny stuff all the time. Like what? Well, things that he doesn't want other people to see. Like Andy was all about, especially with the media. It's it's. I'm not going to give you Andy. who I am. I'm just going to tell you what you want, what I want you to know, and that's it. But when you talk to him one on one, this is why everyone loves him. That he'll talk about your family. I want to know what you and Reno observed. Well, just he, give me a taste. Well, okay, I'll give you a sample. So he would yes. come into the meeting. He was organized. He would have cue cards and say, he would say, "Listen, first meeting, I'm only going to talk about these things on a cue card. If I have to talk about things on the back, I'm talking too long." And so one day, that's so self aware. He, he goes cue card, and damn if he didn't have words on the back. And so everybody's like, <clears throat> I'm like, hey, 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 you told us you weren't going to talk yeah. that long. And he was like, well, I just got to, you know, he just, you know, it, it's Andy, just a funny dude. You got to be there around him. Yeah. Great coach. Great coach. Very organized. Holmes and Kelsey right. have told me that playing for Andy Reid has made it so much more fun. And they've told me that, like, it's they're They're all very appreciative of the situation they're in, mm -hmm. which is the reason why I have such high expectations for Pat is because Kelsey, you know, he, he witnessed when you don't have the best quarterback there and you can't make all the throws. That's right. And so he is so thankful for Mahomes yep. and Mahomes, because I think his dad played, he knows that you don't always get a tight end like Kelsey that you can bond with right away. But he also knows that we don't get a guy like Andy. That's right. And I think they've kind of talked to enough guys in the league where they're like, not every coach is like this. Well, this is this is what Andy has always wanted. A quarterback that has the arm strength of Donovan McNabb can run around similar to Donovan, but he is he understands the game in a different way. Yes. He takes the game to the next level. He's willing to take 
and make those those throws similar to Brett Favre. I don't know if he should be able to. Oh, he got it in there. Good, good throw. Good yes. throw. He always, to me, he Patrick Mahomes embodies everything that Andy always wanted to run the offense the way that he wanted to. You add in a bunch of talented speed guys sure. around him, and now you have Andy Reid saying, I can just basically do anything on this big menu of plays. I can do any of these things, and it's going to be successful because of the guy behind center. You know what's interesting is I think about Mahomes, and because Mahomes is such a gamer, if he throws an interception – He's not going to let that sit in his head. No. He's coming out the next time going. And that was one of my issues with Donovan over the years was I felt like if he made a mistake, it turned into people are going to talk about that mistake. I can't make a mistake again. I kind of felt Donovan was always judged on the sliding scale. Like it was never good enough. And uh, there's part of me that believes it was a black quarterback thing. Sure. There's part of me that believes that it was a Philly thing and the fans just didn't love him, which they still don't love him, which boggles my mind right now. But I, I just think that Donovan was always graded differently than everyone else. I think it's a little bit the way um, in the early 20, to like late 2000s, early 2010s that Andy Dalton was judged. I think it's a little bit uh, the way um, that we were with uh, the Colts for a little bit. When you have repetitive failures in the playoffs, yes. the regular season doesn't matter anymore. Like that, like for Andy Dalton, it was like we know you're going to be a ten and six quarterback. You're going to be great, but like you always lose in the Can first round of the playoffs. Can you do something in the playoffs? And so Donovan, it, it became all we care about is the playoffs. And so it, it, all of the the regular season, four touchdowns against Arizona on a broken leg, it, it turned into well, that's regular season, Donovan. yeah, and it becomes unfair. It does. I just had a thought flash in my head. We're talking about Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and I don't have the numbers. You got the numbers there, Jim Kelly, right? He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, no brainer. Yeah, never won a Super Bowl. Nope. Four. He was there four times. He did go to four Super Bowls though. That that's meaningful. But winning would be nice, of course. Same thing with Thurman Thomas. He, he was a ground. I mean, he, he was a he was the best in the game. Yeah, one of the top two in the game at the time. Yeah, and I say Jim Kelly was a top guy in the game too. Yeah, Donovan was a top quarterback. He was a top five quarterback. He definitely most I, of his career. I think uh, two thousand. So when they went uh, six and ten, or they went they went three and thirteen, I believe, to five and eleven, then to six and three and thirteen. He was not on the team. That's what allowed them to draft out of McNabb. Mm-hmm. They went five and eleven, and he played like six games. That next year, I believe, he was number two in MVP voting behind Marshall Falk. Okay, uh, and then after that, Donovan McNabb was a top five, top seven quarterback for like the next five years. Absolutely, I think when you judge quarterbacks, they have. I mean, Donovan McNabb was better than Eli Manning. Yes, same same way as Cam. You can never really get a great gauge on Cam because he has so many rushing yards. And then people... I, I, and we I, look now and we go, oh, we did that with Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah, but here's and the thing. Jericho Cotter. When people look at my career, and, I don't, and I'm not saying that I'm a Hall of Fame player because I think Hall of Fame is that you have to be great. I'm diving you, into this next week. And you have, to, an you have to do it for longevity, right? But... When they looked at me as a running back, they would always look, well, you're a running back. Where's your running stats? Well, my game was predicated on running and catching. I never told you my NFL Network story. No, no. I interned at the NFL Network in 2007, mm-hmm. and they would. I worked on the features department, and they would say, come up with uh, any kind of topic that you want to do. 
and I said, I believe that Brian Westbrook is a top five running back in the NFL. And I put together a whole doc about how if you stop looking at rushing yards, yeah. and because they weren't doing this in 2007, no, no. if you start looking at total yards and yards per catch and combine them at yards per play from scrimmage, Brian Westbrook has been neck and neck with LaDainian Tomlinson for the last five years. Mm-hmm. And my guy, who's now King Josiah on Twitter, yeah. and he's going viral all the time, uh-huh. he was my producer. And me and and he sat down and he goes, bro, I've never seen anybody do this shit. And I go, I'm telling you, Brian Westbrook's a fucking monster. Well, that's the same thing never to me with Cam. And I tried, though. He's running court. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, bro. Yeah. Give me some. I that's a you. nice sweater you have on today, too. That's cute. I feel like you took a shot at me. Yeah. After did the fiancé pick that out? I appreciate that. No, the same person that picked out your dope <laughs> olive bomber picked it. <laughs> you like that? You like that? Yeah. Olive is our Woody color. Woody picked it. This is our color, though. It is. Yeah, yeah. Well, my point is this. Rushing quarterbacks always get the short You didn't have to take that game. shot. I know. I'm it was sorry. fucked up. I'm sorry. I'm like, it is a nice sweater, though. It is nice. No, but you're right. Running quarterbacks, we when it comes to the debate, we never bring up that statistic. You, you, you can't. But you should. But we're going to have to now because I believe that we, and I'm seeing a lot of people talking about online. Mm-hmm. People are calling this the year of the black quarterback. <laughs> okay. And I am going to argue that this is the beginning of the era of the black quarterback. Mm-hmm. Everyone's looking right now that if you look at the top of the statistical charts, you're going to see Lamar Jackson, you're going to see Patrick Mahomes, you're going to see Dak Prescott, you're going to see Russell Wilson. They're the top four. I agree. And it's very interesting that in the first two weeks, these four guys are skyrocketing and we're losing Big Ben, Mm -hmm. Drew Brees, Mm -hmm. Eli Manning. All older quarterbacks, you're right. That was their era. But simultaneously, we're ending that one era, and we're entering now the era of the black quarterback. Yeah. And the thing is, is they all had the same fucking question except for Russell. Can they throw? Can they throw? Lamar is showing it. Yep. Dak is showing it. Patrick, we've never worried about this at all. We knew that he could. Yes. But I believe we're entering that era now. And well, I think I, it's going to be beautiful. I think it's going to be a great era. But I also think that college football plays a big-time Part in this too. The spread mentality. Spread is, mentality. Uh, get an athlete under Tyler center. Murray. That can do absolutely. That can do anything. And 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 as these guys evolve, Lamar Jackson, great, great, great runner, especially at Louisville. He threw the ball a little bit too. Yeah. But you know, high always had a, a, a beautiful ball. It wasn't always accurate. Yeah, it wasn't always accurate. But now he's starting to learn, okay, if I can get this passing thing down, that takes my team from here to here. It takes me as a, a as a quarterback from here to here. And I think coaches, the same way that Kingsbury has said, well, this is the 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 the, the future of the league. Well, of course it is. If you can find a way to get an athletic guy to throw on the same level as Peyton Manning or Drew Brees or someone else that doesn't have that ability, then as an offense, your playbook opens up much, much wider. In a defense, you're saying, okay, how do we stop this team? Got to stop their running back. They got a big-time receiver. They got a big-time tight end. Oh, the quarterback can throw the ball at any place. He can get the ball to any place on the field, and we got to watch him running. It's almost indefensible. That's why I would think that uh, Clint Kingsbury wants this to be the future of the league because he they invested heavily in a guy that can do just that. This is why I'm so excited. For years, we watched athletic black quarterbacks play in the league and get tried to put a square peg in a round That's hole right. when it came to offenses. Michael Vick had Jim Mora Jr. Mm-hmm. We look at that now and go, Oh, I wonder why that didn't work. Yep. Vince Young, they tried to put him into a bunch no. of different systems that weren't made for him. Right. I look at these young quarterbacks now, and I see the offensive minds that are with them, and I have a lot of hope. 
Patrick Mahomes has a refined Andy Reid. That's right. I look at Lamar Jackson. It, it, let me let me say this. It, it wasn't. It's not. I don't think it's any mistake that Andy Reid is getting the best out of himself and his quarterback after he's had two quarterbacks, Donovan Vic and, and Vic. And now it's like refined. That's right. I look at. It, this is interesting. Lamar Jackson has Greg Roman. Greg Roman gave Colin Kaepernick his best years, right. and then uh, Taylor. That's right. Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod. Yeah. Taylor. And so now he's more refined and is and neither of them are putting those guys in a situation. Dak Prescott, everyone's over the moon right now mm-hmm. about their offensive coordinator in Dallas, the young guy whose name I'm Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. Yep. And they've built the system around him. Yep. And Russell Wilson, what they've been I mean, Russell Wilson has overcome no matter who the offensive coordinator is, Daryl Bevel or anybody, but it's a system that goes with him. Mm-hmm. And I felt like in the nineties and the two thousands, it was like, we know that you can run, but you still need to run my brand of football. Yeah, be a and pocket now passer. It's built around these. Well, it, it, and Kyler Murray has Cliff Kingsbury, and the whole system is made for a guy like Kyler Murray. Offensive teams and coaches have broadened their mindset. Oh, we don't have to always do a seven step drop. We actually can get on the roll them out a little bit. Get them on the edge. How many times do they go, Vic? But can Vic be a pocket passer? Yeah. Why would you want him to be? We a don't need him passer? to. We don't need him in to. In fact, in fact, I watched Nick Foles in a Super Bowl against the Patriots use a read option, and we all know that Nick He's Foles ain't running, running anywhere, no. and it worked. Imagine if Vic and all these guys were in the era oh, and Vince Young, where the read option was like, oh my goodness, the the mind so of the, the offensive coordinators. You know, back in the day, and I, I go back to Donovan because I think one of his biggest things was that he wanted to be wanted to be considered a great quarterback. And the mindset, he never said this, but I always believed it was true. The mindset was the only way that I could be considered a great is to do it the same way as Peyton and Tom Brady right. and Breeze. And really what you would say is the the only way that I think I can be great is to do it the same way as the white quarterbacks. And the truth is, is that he had a skill set as arm-wise, strong as any of those quarterbacks, but he had a skill set that none of them had. And that was ability to run. And he would get in open yep. space and do that crazy move, Juke which shouldn't juke anybody, but does. juked everybody. Yes. He had that right, skill left, set. Right. But in his mind, he was like, I wanted to be the, considered the great. So he wanted to lessen that ability, which is always crazy to it me. It was all fucking Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. I, I subscribe to that theory to this day. That ESPN employed, employed Rush Limbaugh, went on TV and said, the reason we are rooting for Donovan is we are rooting for the black quarterback yeah. to succeed. Yeah. And I think Donovan, more than anybody, took listened. Took it to heart. Yep. And he took it to heart and he said, I'm going to show them that I can throw. That's right. Um, our, our former, uh, my former co-worker, Josh Fendrick, now works at Overtime. They're about to start a project with Deion Sanders uh-huh. and his son. Uh-huh. And he told me the other day that Deion Sanders' son is playing quarterback. Really? And Deion is telling his son, you are never going to scramble. We are never going to put any film on tape before you go to college or anything of you running because I don't want anyone to even think of you as an athlete. We know that you're an athlete. We know that when push comes to shove, you're going to run. But right now, I don't want anyone to put ATH next to you when you go to college. I don't want anyone to go, what if he could run and pass it and, or catch and all that. Yeah. And, and I go Because that, those athletes move from quarterback to wide receiver. Because, because they, go, they go, we'll recruit him, but let's also recruit this other pocket That's quarterback right. Right. because maybe we can get them both in the field. Uh-huh. And so for me, I look at it as not as whether it's the right decision or it's the wrong decision. I look at it as, wow, 
Dion has seen this from the media perspective and the player perspective so long that he knows I need to do this so that other people, I don't want that effect, so I'm not going to give them the cause. The mindset that you can't ever show athletic ability or else you'll never be seen as a run, as a, as a mm-hmm. quarterback, mm-hmm. whereas when Carson Wentz can run yeah. and Luck can run that's and right. we go, that's a nice tool in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. It shows where we are as a society that we still are overcoming this, that it's not it doesn't have to just be black quarterback. It's a quarterback that happens to be black. Yeah. We're not there yet. I wonder Dwayne if Haskins is a pocket quarterback yes. and very popular media members assume that he can run. I don't know that he can. I mean, I, I no, think he can't. I, he can't. I, I think he but has. Stephen a, a. Smith went on and said yeah. he's a running quarterback. No, he's not. See, I covered Teddy no. Bridgewater. No. I covered Teddy Bridgewater for th- all three years at Louisville. And when he was going to the draft, I'm doing national radio interviews where people are going, we know that Teddy can run. And I'd have to jump in and go, no, Teddy cannot run. Right, that's not his thing. But the, the reason is, is ESPN. Because he's black. The, that's the, why. But ESPN are the three clips they would put on TV. Him running. Two of them would be him running. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're controlling the narratives that's by right. the clips you put on TV. That's right. That's right. It's wild. I wonder if Dion's view would be different in a couple of years. After he sees the success that Kyler could potentially have, Lamar Jackson. But, but do you know how many rushing yards Kyler Murray has thus far? This probably season? not very many. Twelve. Yeah, probably not very many. Which blowing people's minds right now. Yeah, and they're still having success. And, and you know what's weird? Because if you're in a defense, you're saying he has a great arm, three hundred, almost three hundred fifty yards last week. But watch out for him running, and he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't, he hasn't even put it on film yet. But you, in your mind, it has to happen at some point. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. We were having this discussion, and I had this realization the other day that Russell Wilson might be the greatest black quarterback of all time. And when I said it to you, mm-hmm. immediate no. No. You were like, Can't get be. the fuck out of here. Can't, Can't be. be. And then we started talking about it. Yeah. It's a little crazy. So, again, sh- salute to Ingber. Ingber's hammer. Went in, found some information. Currently, of all quarterbacks, not just those that are African-American, Russell Wilson has the second highest passer rating of all time, 100.9. You want to, People don't know what Ingber found? Dak Prescott is third all time, 98. Wild. Does that include this year, this season? Huh? Oh, okay, okay. When you start comparing him to the other great black quarterbacks of all time, who are the names that popped into your head right away when this first came up? Doug Williams. Okay. Randall. Yep. Warren Moon. Of course. Vic. Yep. Donovan. Those are the names that come up. That's five, yeah. So, of those... Steve McNair. Steve McNair, too. Steve McNair, for sure. Baller. Um, But when you start looking at them, Warren Moon is interesting because he played six years in the Canadian Football Leagues. He won five Grey Cups. Put up big-time yards. Big-time numbers. uh, And ran the ball a lot. And when you look at his numbers now... He's still up there, even yep. not playing six, like passing yards all time of, of Moon, McNabb, Newton, Wilson, and Vic. War Moon has over 49,000, which is 10th all time. Right. So he's 10th all time and he played six years in the CFL. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. McNabb is second out of those guys, 25th most all time. Then Cam Newton, Russell Wilson's right there. Then Mike Vick. Cam Newton's right there, huh? Cam Newton has 29,000. Russell Wilson has 26,000. Vick finished with 22,000. Really? So it makes you kind of realize from that, Vick's not in this discussion. No. Anymore. It also makes me kind of think that Cam is a little bit better 
passer than I probably give him credit for. Touchdowns. Moon had 14th all time. McNabb had 30 has 30th all time. Wilson's at 42nd all time, and he's got about 19 more than Cam Newton. And Vic is Vic only had 133 touchdowns. That wasn't his thing. No, wasn't his thing. No. Let's do win loss. Okay. And win percentage. Warren Moon's record in the NFL: 102 and 101. You think about the Houston Oilers teams in the early 90s. Not very good. They were beating a lot of teams, yeah. but they were all over the place. Yeah. Michael Vick, 61 and 51. Okay. Cam Newton, 68 and 55. Okay. McNabb, 98 and 62. That's and a, I'm not saying that's the a ties. Good that's a good record. 600. Yeah. So out of 10 games, he's winning six. Yeah. Russell Wilson, ninth best all time. 68% winning percentage, 77 and 36. Now, I would say out of all those teams, he has the best coach in Pete Carroll. Yeah. And he probably had, other than some of those years with uh, McNabb, the best defenses too. I mean, Russell Wilson early in his career, much like Big Ben, came in, he came in with the Legion of Boom. Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Great Thomas. Defense. Unbelievable. And, and I would say also that much like Big Ben and Tom Brady early in his career, they were, and, and you know what, and Donovan, teams carried by their defenses. I think that your offense came in at around 2005, 2006, and they were the leading of the team. But early on, it was Trot and, and Vincent and, and Dawkins and Taylor. And, and then when you became a thing, but if you really think about it, the core of your team was, you, L.J. Smith, right, and then hopefully Pinkston and Thrash make a guy miss. Right, right, right. You know, I, I'm thinking about it, and I think the other part about this Seattle deal with Russell Wilson is that they have a big-time running game. I mean, their running Marshawn game— Sean Lynch was amazing. Yeah, you have to think about how many times Russell Wilson was actually throwing the football. 25 times a game, 22, 23 times a game. And he was absolutely accurate. Big time throws down the field to guys wide open because they, all the defense was like, hey, put nine guys in the box, try to stop Marshawn. Russell Wilson, in terms of touchdown to interception ratio. Impressive, I'm sure. Second all time. Of course. Of course. 3.19, 201 to 63. Warren Moon, 1.25. Mm-hmm. Like we're like yeah. even. Well, but you're right. That the hardest, the thing about Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson's going to have longevity. Yes. And he's going to amass more and more statistics. Mm-hmm. And you know what he has that no one else has? Super Bowl ring. That's important. Doug Williams, really on, on the black quarterback list, Doug Williams is really the only one other than Russell Wilson. And then you throw in some of these young guys. We'll, we'll talk about them later. But I, I think when I think of the black quarterback so many weren't given opportunity. So oh let's start God. there. There are so many great athletes that played, that were black and played quarterback that were never given the opportunity. So that's why the discrepancy in numbers there. Recently, things have gotten better. But Russell Wilson's smart, athletic. He can run when he wants to. He's an accurate passer. He can, he's a leader in a different way. I think the guys look at him a little bit different for whatever reason. But you talking about Super Bowl winner, winning quarterback? You gotta go. You gotta. You have to talk about Russell Wilson. He, I think he is the best black quarterback that we've seen. I, you know, again, I'm it's just abs- wild to say because it, I don't. It is wild. I don't think anyone has ever thought this before or really put any time to it. And the other thing is too is it's the discussion about Russell Wilson's blackness that's what makes it so interesting. Would, would you put him in the top ten of quarterbacks in the in the last? 20 years of football. Oh. Is he in the top 10? Let's say from 2000 to now, 19 years. Top 10. Okay, so then you're in the Breeze, the Big Bends. Yep. Uh, you're in the— Favre was in there for Favre, a little bit. Rogers, Rodgers. Manning, both Mannings. Peyton. I'm not putting Eli above him. 
Um, Brady, of I, course, that Ewingberg. I don't know if he's in top 10 then. He's, he's, he's fringe top 10. The, Maybe thing, is, the thing is, too, though, is all those guys we've seen the 15 years. Yes. With Russell, Still we're, we're at about seven. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is I think Russell is on a better trajectory than any of them. If he puts another and Super Bowl And what's wild ring to in. me is, is last year he lost the Legion of Boom. And I said, they're not making the playoffs. And they Figured fucking got there. That's right. This year, they got rid of Doug Baldwin and a few other people. And their best receiver is Tyler Lockett. <laughs> and then... A rookie in DK Metcalf and yeah. a bunch of other guys, and there he's fucking doing it again. So I'm reaching a point with him where I go, I know you've had Pete Carroll, but now we're starting to see everything change around you, and nothing's dropping off. And you're still the same. And, Russ. and he's on the same trajectory. And I think Russell Wilson's going to go. And I know you kind of like jumped past it though, but the the interesting thing about Russell Wilson is, early on when they won, don't forget that Golden Tate was calling him out in front of the locker room, yeah. and everybody was saying that he's a company man, and we yeah. know the whole, what what comes with that, and and every I, I'm jokingly calling him Russell Wilson because now he's with mm-hmm. Sierra, mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. getting his hair braided on Instagram. And the whole discussion about Russell Wilson as a black quarterback is interesting to me because I think early on that defense was not even discussing him like that. It was a, it was a weird dynamic with Russell for a few years. Because they didn't and see as him a, as that or why? Well, and, why, why and, do you and think and that? And let me also state this. As a white guy bringing this up, it's a very weird thing for me to do. Is it? Well, I just think in the national discourse, it's not something that white people. As do. far as his blackness, I mean, how black it's he is. It's not. It's not my place to discuss someone's right. blackness, and I want to well, say that I, very I, clearly. I think. I think. First of all, it's that's, just been something that's been talked about. That's in a the crazy. Media a long time. First of all, that's a crazy concept, right? Of course, right? no it's one fucked up, and it's rude. no black man, woman, child should have no. to prove their black blackness, Ever. and not every black child. Is grew, grew up in the hood and the ghetto and smoking weed. Absolutely. And oh, th- th- that doesn't happen to everyone. There are some affluent black people too. Yes. Right? And they raise their kids according to where they live yes. and things like that too. So I, I don't, I, that was wrong for his teammates to ever bring that out. Yes. I mean, I think you can make jokes and that's what that's what the locker room's for. You make yeah, jokes yeah, yeah. and you say all types of crazy things. That's nothing that should have ever got outside of that locker room. Yeah. Period. It's, uh, it, it's just interesting because in the end, I believe Russell Wilson is going to go down as the greatest black quarterback of all time. I think he, I mean, if we're talking about him in that whole context right now, yeah. he has another 10 years of football left. If he I, happens to win a Super Bowl. My only thing about him now is, and this is sort of what we're seeing with player entitlement, Andrew Luck, mm-hmm. baseball backgrounds. Yep. I mean, Russell Wilson, every offseason goes Same and plays thing. the Yankees. Same thing. And you know what I would see if I went to the Yankees? I'd see a bunch of professional athletes with all guaranteed contracts yeah. that don't have to worry about brain injuries. Right. And now I have Russell Wilson. I don't know. Russell Wilson, you know, just signed $150 million, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Mm-hmm. These guys now, they might not need to keep going. Like, I could see Russell Wilson after a few more years being like, I'm, I want to go try something else. Really? Like go play baseball. I'm curious Another about. Sport? I'm curious about the really well-paid players that put themselves in harm's way, and I'm just seeing Jalen Ramsey get me out of here. I'm seeing um, Antonio Brown, and I'm I'm getting texts from people going, "Man, they're trying to go down that NBA route." I'm just seeing a lot of NFL players have that realization. I don't need this, especially if I got the bags. Well, I, I I look at Russell in a different vein than all of those guys because I, I think that even when you talk about Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck got beat up for however many seasons he was in the league, except for last year, yeah. he got beat up. 
And Russell, Russell got hit. He got hit a little bit, but it was not the same way. And it's a different the fact that Russell went through all those years with that offensive line being that bad. They were bad, amazing. absolutely. So they were bad. I, I just think that Russell, he's so smart. He, he's a great leader. I think that he'll play as long as he wants. I don't know that baseball is really an option for guys. No, I don't think so. I, I, I think maybe he says, hey, I got enough money. I want to go enjoy. My wife is going to make uh, however much money she That's makes. That's the other thing, and too. I'm just going to continue to enjoy it. But the, Tom Brady could have said that. Tom Brady could have said that. Sure. I think Russell Wilson has that same type of passion right. and both, drive as Tom Brady. I want to do it until I can't do it anymore. And to me, and I don't know either one of them, I believe that his wife will push him to do it. Hey, if you want to go make 20 million bucks, 20, 35 million yeah. bucks for the next 10 years, do that. And we'll enjoy when, when you're 40. Cool. You got another 50 years to leave. Live. I know my wife would say that. No, 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 no. I know your knees hurt. Go back to practice. Make your 20 million bucks, and I'll talk to you in another couple of years. We'll vacation then. That is the big topic, though, also is players seemingly having more control. And I think it's more of a story um, because people are getting upset with it. And <laughs> But why? Why are they getting upset? Because it's not Eli Manning coming in and saying, I'm not playing in San Diego. Yeah. It's not um, Steve Young saying, I don't no, want to be No, it's because it's the black players that are exactly. getting more control. That's why. I was setting you That's up. That's why. It's the black players getting more control, and, and it's, the, it's the stereotype that the old white owners don't have control of their players anymore. That's the, the story. The owner that passed away for the Houston Texans, Literally said. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The inmates are running that the was asylum. Nasty. Yeah, that's crazy. And the, the, the thing is, is that is probably a prevailing notion from a lot of people. That when the owners, the 32, sit in a room and they go, we need to figure out how to calm these players down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I think is so funny is the thing that set off this conversation was Minka Fitzpatrick. And I'm going, you're going to blame any of the Miami Dolphins for trying to trade? Yeah. Like, Minka Fitzpatrick... Nick Saban called Minka Fitzpatrick one of his favorite players that he's ever coached, mm -hmm. a leader of yep. a national champion Alabama team. We're going to say that he's selfish. Mm -hmm. Miami has the most blatant example of tanking that we've seen in this sport maybe ever. Ever. There's no doubt about and that. And that was the guy that said these players have too much control. Yeah. If you want to get upset with Antonio Brown, I get it. But the thing is, is NFL players are hanging around NBA players. I look pregame, Todd Gurley kicking it with Montrez Harrell. That's Grew right. up in the same area. Right. They got, they're not, we're not the only people going, NFL players are getting screwed right now to guaranteed contracts. Well, it's different now. It's just not happening just in football. Employees around the world are getting more control. Period. You're right. We have made this a sports thing. Yeah. No, employees, you're talking about entitlement and all that happens. Right. Our minimum it, wage just went up to 15 yeah. and a half. Employees around the world are getting more control. The other thing I think is it's the NFL players saying, you know, not only, you know, maybe are the owners losing some control, but maybe the players are just getting a little bit smarter and saying, you know what? You need me. I've made enough money, Antonio Brown, that I don't necessarily need this. And if you want to treat me anyway, he's probably a bad example. But then I'm out. I'm not doing it again. To me, 
NBA NFL is hard to ever compare the two because yes. there's guaranteed contracts in the NBA and you can say and do whatever the heck you want yes. and you're still getting your money. You got it. The NFL is a little bit different. So you got, you know, a bunch of these guys, 95% of the guys on the team, they need this check yes. and they're going to want it and there's a possibility that they're going to have to get a job after it's over. Justin Pugh blew my mind that I didn't realize that you're getting 17 game or 16 game checks. That's it. You're not getting checks in the offseason. No. I never knew that. I thought it was like prorated over 52 weeks. No. And and just FYI, those playoff checks that you make, they're a small percentage of your regular check. So you would think the most important games of your season yeah. that count the most, you're probably getting eight, 9000 bucks. And I would not be able to save money for seven months. How could you? But, but to the contract situation, uh, a lot of people are going – you know what? It's ruining the NBA. It ruined international soccer yeah. where these guys can hold these franchises hostage. And could this ruin the NFL? I would argue this. Everyone always looks to stop a problem. Oh, these players are getting too much uh, control right now. How do we stop it? To me, it's how do you make your employees happy to where they don't need to do this? Yeah. They, they take a negative approach. How do we take power away from the players? My thing is... In the NBA, they wanted guys to stay on their small market teams, mm -hmm. so they invented bird rights, That's right. which was, I can offer you more money Here. than anyone else can. That's right. We're now seeing that it's not enough. It's not enough of a gap to do it. But the NFL, we haven't even reached that point. Right now we have in the NFL, I'm going to franchise tag you, and I'm giving you the sum of five players in the NFL, but guess what? It's not guaranteed. Nope. So... It's really not that great. And I'm preventing you from going anywhere else. And so the NFL, uh, the thing that I'm excited about is we're 18 months away from the CBA. Mm -hmm. And usually at this time is when the NFL starts floating out bullshit to distract people. We like 18-game regular season. Absolutely. We want to uh, expand this and this. And it's a lot of stuff that the NFL players have to argue, and it distracts them from getting their main 56% of the pot. You want more. Here's the thing. But now I like the players are going, you got to worry about this shit right well, here's now. A, here's the question. Do the players really have more power? Does Trent Williams have more power? Does he? Because he said he wanted to be out. He's still there. The team still have the Melvin ability. Gordon. The, Melvin, yeah. Okay, listen. He, if they have more power, why is he still unemployed? Well, he still has a job, but he's not getting paid. No. no he's why is money. Trent Williams losing money? He, he's, he, I believe Trent Williams is closer to coming back than anyone because he's saying, okay, how much is that every week? Yeah. 1.2? Okay. I, I, I got to come out of my own pocket yeah. to pay this. Not money that I'm getting for the season. Oh, Colin, money's, Colin, Colin Kaepernick can't even get an audition. No, but, but here's the thing. So – to me, the teams still have the power that they have the decision to say, no, no, you sit until we pay you. Same thing with Dak. No, to keep playing and we'll figure the contract out. The team has that power. They have that ability. Now, does a team want to say, you know what, Mika, um, we're not trading you. You're just going to have to play with us or don't play at all. That's what they said to Melvin Gordon. Yep. Oh, you know what, um, uh, uh, Antonio Brown, we're not trading you. Either play with us or don't play at all. That's what the teams could say, but what they've chosen to say is, hey, to your point, they're throwing out whatever. Oh, they have all the power, yeah. and now they demanded a trade. Well, I've, I've, I've 
part of the negotiation is saying, okay, well, if you don't want to pay me, allow someone else to pay me. That's the only leverage that a player has. Yeah. So, so yeah. in a way, we've taken a few examples of players getting traded. That's right. And we've created this narrative that the that players, players have are the getting power. all the power. Really? No, they don't have the power. Because you don't have a power unless your your contract is guaranteed. Whether I'm getting so if, if I can say I'm getting my money regardless, so I don't care if y'all make me sit down or not, then 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 you have no power. If you have power, then you can say you're gonna trade me whether you like it or not. And the truth is that Trent Williams, he wants to get traded. They said, no, we're not trading. You sit down until you want to come back to us or nobody else. Same thing with Melvin Gordon. They don't have the power. These other guys, they've they've changed things around. I think Jalen Ramsey has said, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go somewhere else. But that doesn't mean that they're going to trade him. Guess what's going to happen this week? He's going to play for the Jaguars this week. And they're going to try to figure something out. But if these teams were not rebuilding or were not very good football teams, then they would be like, no, we're going to keep you because we need you. Quickly on the Jalen Ramsey thing. I got hit up on Instagram by my guy, De Bearded Dragon, a.k.a. Lance Blair. And he said, man, you got to take a look at some of this stuff. And I tweeted it out. It is interesting that the Lions released C.J. Anderson and Josh Johnson. Yep. Their GM is Bob Quinn, used to be under Bill Belichick. Secretly, they've built up about $17 million in cap room. Mm-hmm. Diana Rossini has reported that one NFC team has offered Excuse me. Uh-oh. Has offered a first-round pick and a fifth-round pick. And Jalen Ramsey liked a post on Instagram of a Detroit Lions fan that said, Lions, we've had a lot of great 20s in our life. No way. He Ernie Sims, Barry Sanders. Yeah. I'm just saying, though. Yeah. That if you have Matt Patricia, mm-hmm. who Mike Daniels came out earlier this offseason and said he's an incredible defensive mind. Right. They have Trey Flowers, Mike Daniels, Ashawn Robinson, all those guys up front. Right. And your corners can be Darius Slay yeah. and Jalen Ramsey. It's not a bad situation. I think it's a bad situation because you can't win offensively in that league with that team that you have. Yeah. That, that's why it's a bad situation. To me, again. Matt Stafford's better than Donald McNabb. You better get out of here. here here's the truth. If I'm Jalen Ramsey, again, you're the best. You're the best at your position. Yes, you have an opportunity to choose, kind of uh, not exactly where you want to go, but hey, I, I know I don't want to go there. I don't want to go. How many to... losses the Jaguars have right now? How many? Two. Yeah. You know how many losses the Lions have right now? Zero. Okay, Zero. I'm with you. They've also played different teams, so I mean, of that's, course, of it, course, it's a big time. They difference. beat the Chargers. I think the Jaguars would beat the Lions. You want to hear a statistic about how amazing Jalen Ramsey is? Sure. And by the way, the Lions would beat the shit out of the Jaguars. I hope they play. I'll bet you on it. What what have you based that on? What are you talking about? I think the Lions might beat the Eagles this weekend. You probably need to get your head checked. Jalen Ramsey was targeted 120 times while covering Antonio Brown, T.Y. Hilton, Tyreek Hill, Odell, and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh The passer rating against him was was 69. Yeah. Nice. Rest of the NFL cornerbacks allowed a 104 rating when covering that group. Also... Jalen Ramsey is the only quarterback that's faced 300 targets or more in the NFL and allowed a negative EPA per target, which means the offense was actually worse per play when targeted. He's the only cornerback in the entire NFL. You, you know, I, I, that's I, how heard, good he is. I heard a bunch of people on TV talking about this, and they were like, well, no, I wouldn't give up two first-round picks for a cornerback because defensive linemen are way more important than cornerbacks. That. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Do a defense alignment, they have much more impact on the game. Well, tell me this. If I can take away your best player, if I can take away Antonio Brown, I can take away uh, Hopkins, I can take away Devontae Adams, you got to throw it to your second or third best player. And I'll let my second-tier defensive lineman get there. You know how I know that's bullshit? 
Let's look at the smartest football mind in maybe the history of the game, Bill Belichick. Okay. Name one defensive lineman that he's paid in his entire time. He's got rid of him. Richard, Richard, was it Richard Seymour? Richard Seymour went to Oakland. Yeah. How about the guy? The, uh, big, the big guy in the middle. Trey Flowers was Trey, on his team. Out of there. Got a big but you know who he has paid? Monster contract to Stephon Gilmore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Monster contract to Darrell Rivas. That's right. He pays one position. He gave a monster contract to a safety. Yeah. Devin McCourty. He does not pay defensive linemen. My thoughts about football. I'm just going to copy Bill Belichick. That would be a good start. It's WWBD. If you do Bill that, you, you have a great start. It's all that just matters. copy him. But listen, Jalen Ramsey is a, 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 a generational talent at that cornerback position. But if he goes to the Lions, you heard it here first. No, he's not going to the Lions. He has to go to a contender. I'll bet you a dollar. Dollar. Bet. bet. He's not going to the Lions. But, but, but here, here's the thing. He has to go I'll to a contender. He should go to a contender. He should want to go to a contender. He shouldn't he go to a rebuild choose. situation. He doesn't get to choose. Yeah, he does. No, he doesn't get to choose. the team has all the power. The team and does who have offers the, power. the best deal will get him. I said, you know what? He, wants, he can't want to go to Detroit. Really? That's where you want to go? Detroit? Come on. Come on, man. Not Detroit. Go to a no. team that can win. If Kansas City is even in the mix, I'm going to Kansas City. If the Eagles are in the mix, I'm going to the Eagles. Yeah, but you know what, though? When a team is scorned, and a player publicly says, I don't want to play for you. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see I'm not fucking sending you yeah. in the conference to yeah. Kansas City. I'm sending you to a place that is openly mocked about living there. I fuck with Detroit. Everyone that shits on it, I think it's messed up. Detroiters is one of my favorite shows. Yeah? Okay. But you should watch. It's hilarious. But Jacksonville is going to go, oh, we're sending you to the AFC North. And, yeah, go go play Aaron Rodgers and, and go be NFC, up in Detroit. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, so let's view quick games that we that we really like. I want to start off with the game of the weekend, Ravens-Chiefs. Love it. Love it. Because what is your, what's your initial feeling about this game? Well, we, Chiefs are favored by six and a half as we speak. We've seen the Ravens against Miami and Arizona. And the question has to be, is the level of competition. That, that, that's the truth. We saw Kyler Murray, Murray put up 300-plus yards, yes. so almost 350, 100, 350 yards against this Raven defense. So, so the question is, how good are the Ravens, your Super Bowl squad, Love which them. is an error in judgment? I now we're, had the Patriots winning the Super Bowl for the year. But. Well, good. But don't stop talking about the Ravens then. I still love them. The Ravens, this is, this is the question. I'm they're, just checking. They're, they're on the road. They're going against a team that you know can score, but a defense – that you should be able to be successful in. Here's the big question, and I think this is one of the things that nobody ever thinks about, but the truth is this. When you have an offense like the Chiefs, you know they're putting up points. So now three points is not an option. It's not an option for Lamar Jackson and that, that offensive squad and yes. Mark Ingram. It's not an option for Mark Andrews and John Harbaugh and those guys and Greg Rome. It's not an option. The, the only option is we got to get deep enough that we can score touchdowns. That puts pressure, a different type of pressure on Lamar Jackson that he didn't have when he played against Miami and the Cardinals. Now, the only thing I'm going to say to that is uh, Baltimore right now, uh, they've gone for three uh, fourth downs. Baltimore is one of the more aggressive teams because I agree with you. Yeah. Like what I saw out of Oakland last week is when you're playing Kansas City, you go, we have to get this fourth down because they're going to get the ball back. Well, not only the fourth down, but you call plays differently because you know what? I got to take a shot here. You know who's the number one special team in the NFL right now? Baltimore. I'm not surprised by that. John Harbaugh is one of the best special team coaches in the NFL. I I agree with you. As as a Baltimore stan, my biggest fear is that Miami had success with multiple wide receivers Mm -hmm. and Arizona had success. And that's what Kansas City does. And the question for Baltimore is going to be, can they control the clock? Can they keep long drives, put them together? And if Mahomes gets it, 
because they're kind of a burst offense. Yeah. Keep them Quick off scoring. the field. Yeah. Try try and ruin their rhythm a little bit. The the one thing that Baltimore has to do to even be in this game, touchdowns versus field goals. Their defense, I think, is acceptable because we saw that last week with, yes. with the rookie quarterback. Touchdowns versus field goals. If you know, obviously they're yeah, first. They need in the their lead. red zone trips to be. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. different world. And so to me, that also means that we're going to still see some more running like we saw last week from Lamar Jackson because there's going to be situations where they have everyone covered. He's going to have to run the football. I, I don't have a problem with that. I just think that you have to understand going into the game, you might see a bunch of that. It's, it's weird to see a Baltimore Ravens offense, and obviously you have to consider their opponents, they're number one in the league in points, which is crazy. So it's crazy to see that. Our guy, Warren Sharp, who you haven't had a chance to meet, is – I've read a lot of his stuff. Sharp, sharp guy, brilliant guy. Literally, yeah. He had this nugget two days ago about Patrick Mahomes. Of his red zone passes, the ones that have been graded successful, so it means like good throw in the right location, 23%. Number 27 in the NFL. Last year, it was 52%. He was number one in the NFL. Chiefs were the number one red zone offense last year, mm-hmm. currently 27. Mm-hmm. That I agree with you completely. If the Chiefs get down to the red zone, and the Ravens are able to – I could see them playing kind of a prevent defense until they get down there. If they're able to hold them to field goals, mm-hmm. because the advantage the Ravens have, they might turn a trip that's a punt for most teams yes. into a 55-yard Justin Tucker field goal. That's right. And so if, if in the first half – this is for my in-game betters – you see the Chiefs kind of struggling in the red zone a little bit, oh, this game is going to be really close. I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but I, I, I want to see – Against better competition, how good Lamar Jackson? One hundred percent agree. That's that's the the biggest question uh, to me of the entire week of all the games is how good is Lamar Jackson really against another team that has a, a little bit better defense, yep. maybe, but uh, certainly an offense that can go right back at I'm you. I'm just I'm letting you know I'm putting fifty dollars on in my own money on Baltimore money line because What's the spread three seven really exactly okay okay I, exactly. I, I could. I could yeah, I can be talked into a lot. The going line Baltimore. originally came out at four and a half, and, and then after the up. weekend it went to six and a half, which means I love it. Really? Yeah, I, I could. To me, it feels like a Chiefs four point win. In my mind, and this is, and, and when the line's going up like that, there's a feeling that it may get, it may get to ten. I mean, not not that the line's going to oh, get to ten, but that. they may, they may win by, let's say, seven to ten. You want to put another dollar on? Are we doing the line seven points? So Chiefs have to win by seven. I'll take it. Okay. I'll take it. That's $2. What was our first bet? I can't remember. Oh, Jalen Ramsey of the Lions. Uh, Let's quickly do just two other games. I just want your take. I'm not going to talk at all. Uh, Saints-Seahawks. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater having to go to Seattle Mm -hmm. where, as I've told you guys before, in the last 16 games that Seattle has played at home in September, they're 16-0. So what do you think about this game? Can Teddy get it going? Um, I don't know. What's your take? I, I, I'll say this. I, I think it's going to be tough sledding for Teddy. I think that he's limited as far as his velocity or, or throwing the ball down the field. I think he's pretty accurate on short stuff. But th- to me, a different angle that I would like to look at it from is, will they ever get this running game going a little bit to support their quarterback? And do they actually want to do that with Alvin Kamara? Latavius Murray, to me, has just been just a guy. Opposed to when Mark Ingram was that that punch in the mouth. Sledgehammer. We give him 20 carries. We know he's going to get close to 100 yards. 
Latavius Murray is not that guy. Do you can you depend on Alvin Kamara to be that guy? Only 26 carries on the season. To me, this is the stat that is crazy. Only eight catches. He's one of your best receivers. He's your second best receiver after Mike Thomas. Why? Why? Why only he only has eight catches? Especially when your quarterback is not throwing the ball down the field. Yeah. Especially when Teddy played most of the game last week. Why does he only have eight? To me, that doesn't make any sense. I remember last year, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to kill this kid the first four games of the season. And just Mark, Mark Ingram wasn't there. Yeah. And they just gave him ball after ball. That's 15 targets one game, 12 targets the next. They were giving him the football. To me, what's going to happen with Teddy? How good can Teddy be? I, I don't think they win the football game, but I think it's a good test to kind of see where they're going to end up at, really, even in their own division. Sean Payton Not the conference, out, but Sean the division. Payton came out today and said both Teddy and Taysom Hill will be playing quarterback on Sunday. I believe that. I, I, I don't Wild. think that there's going to be a situation where you're solely tied in just to Teddy. I think that if, if Teddy struggles for a couple of series, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Sean Payton putting Taysom Hill in this there. This is my one note to think about. The amount of times that Drew Brees on third down would audible to a better play or get low behind the line and do a hot route to extend a drive. Drew Brees was amazing at finding a mismatch on mm-hmm. third and short and extending a drive. The thing I want to watch is how much more tired is the Saints defense going to get if Teddy can't extend these drives? That's right. Because I believe the Saints are built a lot like the Chiefs, mm-hmm. which is we have an offense that we believe can get out to a lead. We got to score 35 That's why we traded up to get Marcus Davenport, right. and we believe in Cam Jordan, and we can take a little bit of risk because because you need to be risky to keep up with us. But if now we're going to get into a possession game, I find that Saints defense to be a little bit shallow. I don't see a lot of depth. Well, they I'm have curious to, they have over to play the season better. how that changes about Drew Brees. This is an important point. They're at Seattle. They have Dallas. Tampa Bay, which I think is a questionable game for yep. them. Talking about the Saints. At Jacksonville, probably Ramsey is gone by them. Who knows what's going on in Jacksonville? May have foes back. At Chicago, then they have Arizona. To me, when I look at those next six games, they may be two and four. It's wild. That gets ugly for the Saints. Uh, The other game that we want to talk about uh, quickly, Rams at Browns. Yeah. You think that this could get ugly for the Browns? I think it could. I I think they lose a game. But I think the aftermath. They had a, 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 a terrible loss first week. They came back the second week and played a little bit better, but not Everyone, much. Everyone's talking about the Odell touchdown, but overall struggling against the defense that didn't have Quinn Williams or yeah, or average mostly. at best. They're, here's a, a big stat for the— for Bigger the, didn't look good at all. Big stat for the, for the Browns. They're 5 of 23 on third down, right? They're negative three turnover ratio, ratio right? And Baker, is, he has two touchdowns and four interceptions. You can't win playing football like that. You can't consistently win. You can win and beat the, the bad teams. You can't consistently win. Now, what happens to a team? This was my biggest fear about this, this uh, Browns team all season. What happens if you win a couple games? How does that swagger get, get to be too much? And what happens if you lose a couple? And what happens when the fingers start to point? And what happens when you have so many personalities and then everybody wants to be the leader and help us get out of here? And now I got to tell you to shut the F up because I'm the leader. What happens then? I think it could get ugly for the, the Browns. 
if they lose this game bad, it can get really ugly. My prediction is on Sunday, we're going to look and we're going to go, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, that's the future of the NFL. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to look at Jared Goff on the road and Baker Mayfield, and we're going to go, this was supposed to be the future of the NFL. And we're all going to sit there and we're going to find a way to not talk about it. But I'm telling you on Sunday, Lamar and Patrick are going to look like the future, and Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield, people are going to go, this doesn't look right. And that's not what people would have thought in the beginning of the year. You wouldn't have thought that last week. Today was a good conversation. Really hitting me hard. That's an aggressive because you're not giving me 50%. If you would give me 50%, I don't have to go as hard. If you're back there, I got to extend. Oh, and I took this boxing class last night. I took a boxing class last night. (laughs) You did? I did. So it was great. Second time. Second time there, 45 minutes. For everyone out there that's afraid of exercising, Brian Westbrook, yes. literally before the workout, was like, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to be slow. And I'm like, you're Brian fucking Westbrook. You're hey, a professional athlete. I hate working out. I absolutely hate it. My wife threw me out of the door and forced me to go there like yesterday. I got fat shamed last night for Did eating you? pink berry. Ooh. Yeah. Really? Because apparently I make noises when I eat. Oh, you're a moaner, like, mm, this is. Mm, mm. And she was like, stop being fat. That is a greedy, greedy man trait. Mm-hmm. Also, like, when I, I probably sit like this. You love every oh. taste. No, my kids do that. I hate it. You're right. You, your wife should make your, your, your fiance should make fun of you. All right, homies. Uh, enjoy the games uh, again. Coming out Friday, Warren Sharp betting podcast. Uh, we're going to try and make some money. I've been making betting all Warren's bets, man. They're coming up roses. Uh, Westbrook, you're the fucking man, dude. Enjoyed it, man. Make sure you go to my website, bwestbrook.com. I forgot all about it. Bwestbrook.com. W-E-S-T-B-R-O-O-K. Here it is. And I am the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. Well, I'll let you later. Peace, guys.